Hey friends, before we start this episode, I want to say thank you so much for listening and for supporting Least Important Things. We just got launched and there's a lot of momentum of the ideas and the community that we're growing here. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We're glad you're here. This is the first episode where we had you, the listeners, participate. You can do that by leaving a voicemail at www.speakpipe.com slash leastimportantthings, or just go to our website, leastimportantthings.com. There's buttons all over the site that says leave a voicemail. You can also email the show at leastimportantthings at gmail.com, or reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Luke H. Ferris, or Least Important Things on Facebook. Before I record episodes, I'm going to be reaching out on social media and asking your thoughts And that's exactly what happened in this episode. So thanks to all of you who commented and shared your thoughts about this topic, specifically for Halloween. And if you missed out this time, I'm going to give you a tease on what's upcoming. So you can reach out to me and leave a voicemail or send a message. I am doing an episode about lip syncing. What is your favorite lip sync song? Why do you lip sync? It's going to be a very, very fun and silly episode. So please reach out about your thoughts on lip syncing. Okay. That's enough of me until you get more of me on with the episode. Every year on the first morning, when the temperature drops into the low 50s from the heat of the summer, I go on a run. After a number of back-creaking stretches, I lumber into a slow jog as my stride picks up and I meander through an indiscreet American neighborhood. I'll see a row of well-kept hedges. My pace quickens. I double-check to make sure that my earbuds are secure and in place. I hit play on my phone, and I run. John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween theme is still haunting 40 years after the indie slasher turned horror hit was released. Why do I run to its syncopated 5-4 time theme? Because it jolts me into an adrenaline rush and a sense of fear connected to the changing of the seasons and the coolness of the fall air. It's like a mini roller coaster that improves my split times. That rush that I feel when I play the Halloween theme goes back to the first time I saw the movie. I was in middle school, and it kept me up at night for weeks. See, I've never been a fan of horror movies. I'm kind of a perpetual scaredy cat. Just like the trope of don't go in there, I've always been curious about scary movies and why people like them and how do you like them and how do you watch them and what one do you start with? I can't help but dip my toes into the world of scary movies, especially in the past decade because some of the most innovative auteurs have cut their chops in the genre. So why does the horror genre continue to grow? What's the power of the scary movie? Horror never left our consciousness, but it feels like there's been a comeback in the last 10 years, specifically with streaming channel like Shudder and Fangoria Magazine's revival. From Stranger Things to Doctor Strange, we're seeing the tropes and the strategies of the genre play in even the biggest blockbusters in family-friendly movies. So why does the horror genre continue to grow? What's the power of a scary movie? And most importantly, what's your favorite scary movie? Welcome to a podcast called Least Important Things. I'm your host, Luke Ferris. So I reached out to you guys and asked that specific question. The question made famous by the Scream movies. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. 
what comes to mind. And here's what you said. Dana says, Jeepers Creepers, there's a subtle simplicity to the buildup I really like. And he also said, The Fog from 1980. It's not 2022 scary, but I love the movie nonetheless. Lydia says, Okay, genuinely, I think Scream is the ultimate and iconic slasher horror movie, so I'm going to go with that one. Nate says, The Descent. Truly terrifying for the entire bit, and the monsters don't show up until halfway through. And it's a female-led cast without the stupid horror tropes for women. Tucker says, 30 Days of Night. It's not winning any Oscars, and I don't even know why I like it. it. Still hits. Justin says, I don't know if it's my favorite ever, but the two that came to mind are Get Out and Silence of the Lambs. John says, Blair Witch Project. Lee says, The Shining, because it gets scarier the more details you notice. Bennett says, Cabin in the Woods. Plenty of jump scares, but I like all the creative twists. Luis says, I find The Exorcist really engaging. And there's this Spanish movie, Rec, R-E-C, that is really fun to watch, but very stressful in a good way. Jackie says, Psycho. Mark says, hard to pick a favorite, but I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre last year, and it's so much more realistic, terrifying, and suffocating than most other horror films. And then last but not least, Mike says, the third one. And let me tell you, it took me over 48 hours to get what he was saying. I asked him, what's your favorite scary movie? And he said the third one, as in Scary Movie 3. Well, I'll answer the question that I asked. What's your favorite scary movie? It's Halloween. The first time I saw Halloween, I was around 14 years old. Horror movies were never allowed in my house. So one Saturday morning, I woke up at my friend's house after a sleepover and we popped in Halloween, which we rented the night before in anticipation. Curtis, one of my friends out of a triad of brothers, remembers it fondly. I remember watching it middle of the day. And, and being terrified. Yeah, like like you said, our, our introduction to horror movies was, first of all, like, in, in context of, like, late 90s, early 2000s, it was just, like, there was nothing. We had a bad taste in our mouth. We thought it was a horrible genre anyways. I think we were more scared, and then it was more of just, like, a joke kind of a thing. Like, it was like, let's just do this and see what happens. I think the reason why I love that movie so much, and it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's ironic because like we we watched those movies bedrock of horror cinema during a time where like the saw movies and paranormal activity were like the best movies. Yet we were watching those as teenagers. We were like little cinephiles rewatching like the the 70s 80s auteur horror movies. But Halloween will always stand to me because of how scary it and simple it is. The seventies were the best of all horror. It's, it's when all the pioneers came out of, of different genre of all the big horror movies that we talk about today. So last year, Kurt started a group chat with all of us who watched Halloween that fateful morning, where we can discuss horror movies and scary movies. The chat is aptly named Haddonfield, based off of the fictional hometown of Michael Myers. Like Kurt, watching horror movies has been a long journey because he was also a scaredy cat. Do you remember watching Strangers together? In your basement. So I do remember the, the Halloween, and I remember that being a day watch, and that was just kind of like a. I think it was almost like a. I would, like we're like walking around watching it too, like it were like, nerve wracking watching. <laughs> yeah, like we were really we were scared to like actually take it in. But Strangers, I remember watching that, and that was the scariest movie I still maybe have ever seen ever. That movie I think made me hate horror movies, and I'm really mad because it's my favorite genre now. And I, I wish I was aware enough to realize, no, 
This this means that it's good. I didn't even finish the movie. We were in the room next to the TV listening to the movie, and and your brother and I had had I think we had bats or like whatever like airsoft guns. I, I remember we paused it, and then we were like, okay, 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 break, break, like water break, and then we started again. And then I remember like we like we got into it again, and then all of a sudden, Ivan, our cat at the time, like started i don't know he was like throwing up or something else but he started like making like it sounded like a human being and then he, he made like, this weird noise and and we all, yeah. we all lost it we were uh, I, I was like i think we turned i think we turned it off after that because we we're like you know what this is just it's it's real the genre has been at times and rightly so derided culturally for its gratuitous violence sexism and outright offensive storytelling But in the past decade, there's been a shift in how horror movies have been perceived. Because of the financial shift in Hollywood, the horror genre and scary movie genre is a breeding ground for talent. And this isn't new. Many directors, Hitchcock, Kubrick, Sam Raimi, Peter Jackson, got their start in the genre. But now there's a vacuum of creativity in theater film. Of course, we have the superhero movies and Tom Cruise blockbusters. But most of the dramas, comedies, and Oscar fare are funded through streaming now. This leaves a gap in the narrowing theater release bill. One horror is glad to fill. So why is this genre so captivating? It's kind of an obvious question, but for one, the endorphins that are created through horror movies and scary movies is kind of this chemical fear toxin, one that we can safely experience in the confides of a theater or couch. It's kind of like that roller coaster analogy I had. Roller coasters are meant to scare us, meant to force our bodies that were in danger in order to release those chemicals. And once we know we're safe, at the end of the ride, there's that feeling, that rush of calm that comes over your body. And it's the same thing with horror. But I think there's more that draws in people like me to scary movies, even though their instinct is to not like them. How did you start getting back into the genre? I mean, I, I think I think about this a lot, actually, because I don't think it's just pertaining to horror. I think it actually was to a lot of different things for me. And I... And I it might be a little ridiculous to say, but I think I'm going to give credit to it to the band Deaf Heaven. Because I was so comfortable with my movies and with my music and just like listening to my Kings of Leon and whatever it was, you know, and I was just feeling good. And then my brother showed me this metal band and I rejected it because it was just like, it's too intense. And then, like, a, and then, like, I would say, eight months later, I finally gave it like a, a big ex- existential like midnight drive moment, and, and it just like blew me away. And I think after that, I got absolutely like just hooked. Just like it was just I got addicted, truly, to just like the feeling. Like I wanted, I wanted to feel more. And so I think that just like blurred into film, where I just was like, no, I don't want to. I don't care about this. Like, I want to feel what I felt when I watched Jaws. And I'm all, I feel like I'm always chasing the feeling I feel when I watch Jaws in any movie. You talked about that Jaws feeling. Like, what is that Jaws feeling to you when when you go to a horror movie? Like, I guess it's twofold. It's, it's like, oh my gosh, this is an insane ride. This is so terrifying, but it's done so well. This monster is so scary, but it's not like cheesy or corny at all. Like, I truly am scared. Like, that's freaking awesome. I think it's hard to do. And then the other one is, emotionally like like the Babadook or like uh, Midsommar it's so it's so emotionally draining I'm not looking for like 
most stressful moment ever. And sometimes they happen to be that way, but it's, it's so like, I feel so much. I'm so engaged. I'm so emotionally terrified or just like, I don't know, uh, empathizing, you know, and it's, it's like, man, like, I mean, you crave it after a while. There's, it's like a release. It's almost like you're working out your emotions. Like instead of doing a 30 minute leg workout, you're doing a, two and a half hour, hour 45 emotional workout. No, hundred percent. I mean, I'll throw uncut gems in there. It's not horror, but it's just like, it's, it's just, it creates such an adrenaline rush that never leaves. And it's like, damn, like, I think that's just top, top, top level filmmaking. Cause it's, it's truly creating an experience, not just you like watching something and then going about your day. Elevated horror the subgenre that addresses cultural and political themes, is bringing thought-provoking ideas to a genre that is stereotypically lizard brain. The genre has taken on a completely new face and like soul, and it has this new intelligent rejuvenation and rebranding almost due to like some really awesome, cool directors out there choosing to make movies that they know might not be the most successful, but they're just like, I don't know, they make you really think they're really powerful films. If you hate scary movies, I get it. But if you love creative filmmaking and storytelling, the horror genre is where a lot of that creativity is coming from. In a world of IP, franchise, and reboots, which horror isn't free from, the genre is innovating more than any other in the film and television industry. And it's influencing other films and genres, from dramas to action movies. Even look at one of the most successful franchises right now, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, a lot of the foundations of that franchise is based on horror tropes where you have dangerous creatures stalking the hero characters. Just watch the final sequence in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It pretty much could be a Halloween sequel. I guess the last thing I'll say is like, so I, I just watched Little Women again for the whatever second time last week. And I like absolutely like, just like, oh man, like I'm so drawn in. Like freaking Florence Pugh, I'm just like losing my mind over all these such intense scenes. Such an intense like you know, depiction of sisterhood and family and love and everything. And then like yesterday I watched Babadook and it's like this such intense version of like, it, it almost like an avant-garde and like abstract way of telling about motherhood and childhood for a boy and his relationship with his mom and vice versa. Yeah, add a little bit of scary in there and it's like, they're just as powerful. So that's the double billing that people should should line up to the theaters, Little Woman and Babadook. That's it. I think I think that they're, they're, it's an easy back to back. It's easy, you, you know, you settle right in, but the, and you get the, all the good, all the good storylines, all there. I, I like it. Bumps in the night, masked monsters, and sinister scenarios are more than meets the eye. What are we afraid of? If you read the news every day, it's no surprise that mystical creatures and masked villains are inconsequential to the real terrifying things humans can experience and are faced with in our modern world. But maybe when we watch a scary movie and get through two hours of terror, it empowers us to overcome the fears in our own lives. Can conquering the fictional fear created by cinema encourage us to conquer the challenges of the now? Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But for me, my friends like Curtis and you listeners, there's something there when you sit down with your friends, watch a scary movie with a popcorn or your favorite fall beverage, 
and get through that two hours of intensity. And just like the end of a roller coaster, you can turn around, smile, laugh, wipe some tears, but there's a feeling of accomplishment, of survival, one that's in us all as humans. And maybe scary movies aren't the best way to do it, but I think it's a way that we can face our demons inside of us and understand the fears of the world that come into the screen. Least Important Things is a podcast about the most important of the least important things in pop culture and entertainment. It's hosted by me, Luke Ferris, executive produced by Jay Ferris, logo and brand designed by, hey, that guy Curtis Felton you just heard. You can be like my friend Keegan, who reached out to me via email about the nostalgia episode, and he said, yep, nostalgia is definitely a great source of dopamine. I love rediscovering things that I may have forgotten about and falling in love with it again. Yes, Keegan, falling in love over and over again is one of the best things about nostalgia. So be like Keegan and get involved with the show. And until next time, I'll talk to you soon.